Hey, Jordan, you want to hear a fun fact? Uh, sure. Caffeine involved in a coffee bean with some of the greatest antioxidants on the planet. Wow, that's pretty interesting. Let, let, let me cut you off right there. I wasn't done. You see, green tea, another great source of caffeine, evolved with an entirely different set of antioxidants as well. Is this another brain fuel ad? Uh, yeah, it is. Oh, I mean, well, in that case, brain fuel takes the best of both worlds without the roast or heat that may reduce potency and increase toxicity. It support, it's supportive blends of fuels, antioxidants, and brain-boosting additives create a new paradigm for the effective delivery of caffeine. Not to mention, it is the best-tasting drink I've personally had in a while. To support the heroes who push society forward, challenge the status quo, and initiate a better tomorrow by providing them with the fuel to actualize their best self. If you want to help support our podcast and try Brain Fuel, use code DOME for 20% off your order at BrainFuel.com. That's code DOME, all caps, D-O-M-E, at BrainFuel.com, B-R-E-I-N-F-U-E-L.com for 20% off your order. Welcome back to another edition of the Off the Dome podcast. I'm here with my guy, my co-host, Jordan Z. Goodhart, coming back from the grounds of Eagle River, Wisconsin, Ojibwa, and he's back home. It's been a while, my man. I yeah. miss my co-host. Yeah, I, I, but I, I miss, like, talking to you, obviously, and I missed um, – I missed uh, beating you on debates. I know you were avoiding me all this time because you didn't want the smoke, but um, I give you a lot of credit for willing to come back on before you go back to school. You know, my biggest regret in my 10-year basketball career is not being able to sit in the stands and watch myself play because that's like watching Jesus at Red Rocks. (laughs) That's my biggest regret. (laughs) <laughs> oh my god wow this show just got out some fireworks that that whole ab quote i mean you want to talk about off the dome that that was you know you know what's the craziest thing about that quote yeah i was watching pat McAfee earlier and they were saying that the quote actually came from like a ball sack sport account, like something like that. <laughs> the quote actually came from that. And then AB posted it himself as if he actually said it and like co-signed it. Like AB <laughs> co-signed that quote. He never said that. He just said, you know what? That seems like something I would say. In <laughs> or, or maybe his brain is just so fried that he was like, you know what? Maybe I did say that and then reposted it. But that was a total joke quote, and he just made it a real thing. So was that really now, was that a ball sack quote, or was that a was, butt crack quote? It was it was from one of those. I don't think it was exactly ball sack, but it was from one of those things. And <laughs> AB just took it and posted it himself. So I don't know if he's just fucking with everyone, or like he's actually believes that. Or, I don't know. Well, he never actually said that. <laughs> him and Kyrie are the ones that are like out there and the people that would troll the media and do something like that i think Kyrie means well i think he's just kind of a little crazy sometimes you know and i don't think he means like really bad on anything you know right yeah yeah but uh definitely we will be we'll definitely uh be actually have be talking like and not like quoting off of somebody else we're actually just going to be spewing out our own opinions and not (laughs) trolling our own podcast listeners (laughs) 100 percent 
So I want to ask you this. And, you know, typically it's football season coming up. And we are all so focused on it right now. I'm just so pumped. A couple more Sundays. And this is kind of like the dry spell for like NBA offseason news until we get into the training camp. There hasn't really been a lot. This offseason's been kind of slow, to be honest with you. Not a lot of huge news. But Kevin Durant pulled an usher and did a, watch this, watch this, watch this. <laughs> and then, boom, he reiterated his trade request with me with Joe side. He gave him an ultimatum. It's either you trade me or you fire that, you fire Nash, and you fire Sean Larks. So I, I obviously have a lot to say on this one, but I'm going to, but the floor is yours. What's your take on this whole KD ultimatum? And do you think he's going to get his wish and finally get traded before the season? Um, I don't think he's going to be traded because it's been taking so long for them to trade him. And it seems like the people he wants to play for are not teams that can trade for him unless they want to give up everything. Like, I don't know why the Celtics would trade for him. Like, they just made the NBA Finals with a very young core. Like, there's no reason to split that apart and ruin it. Um, Sixers, I don't know what the Nets would accept from them. They're going to have to offer – it's I'm almost certainly it's going to have to include something with Tyrese Maxey, my new oh, friend yes. in the Summer League. And <laughs> definitely going to have to include – It would have and, to be everyone except for Harden and Embiid, which – It's not going to happen. I don't know. It's not going to, that's not going to, I don't think the Nets would even take that because the Nets said they want a superstar. So they'd need someone like Jalen Brown, who's not a superstar, but he could be a superstar if he was given his own team. But the thing about KD, the situation is the Nets have to think who's more valuable to your team? Steve Nash, (laughs) Kevin Durant. And as much as we harp on Kevin Durant, Steve Nash is one of the worst coaches in the NBA. No, no, I, I, I gave you that. I mean, I, I give you that. And Sean Marks isn't a great GM. Like they, if it's, the thing is, it's so easy to fire a coach and get a new one. It's really hard to fire a GM and get a new one, especially when he's been there. Um, it's, it's not going to happen. They're not going to fire the coach and front. Like they're not going to just get rid of the front office. Um, but they could easily if it was just Nash, boom, trade could happen because they could easily just fire Nash. Um, and then, like, it's it's very hard to go into the front office for trades, you know, um, if that makes sense. Uh, but I'm interested to hear you if you think he's going to get traded, and if you do, how it would happen, and if you think they can keep him with the front office staying and with Stephen Nash staying, because I think that can happen. Because I think Katie is just – I think they're going to call Katie's bluff. Honestly, they're going to say, all right, we're going to keep you. Do you want to play basketball or not? Like, you're 33, whatever, 34. You have limited amount of years left. Do you want to waste them right now, or do you want to play basketball with Kyrie Irving? Because Kyrie is not going to get traded either. I don't think Kyrie's getting traded. He signed that deal. He said, I'm getting, I'm going to stay. Or he didn't sign that deal, but he opted into his opted deal. In, yeah. yeah, he opted into his deal. I think the most likely scenario is that we see Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving in Brooklyn Nets uniforms because Kyrie only wanted out because of KD wanting out. So I'm just to hear what you think on this. I know you want Kyrie as a Laker. Well, um, I, I'm just going to be realist here. Uh, well, I, first of all, if he, if he wanted the GM and the coach fired, if he didn't like the direction that it was going in, 
I mean, that's one thing, but you have to understand Jordan. Yes, it wasn't all Kevin's mess, but him and Kyrie, he's co-signed on Kyrie Irving being his co-star. Him and Kyrie both wanted DeAndre Jordan as the starting center over Jared Allen. They both wanted, they both wanted to fire Kenny Atkinson, who's not, who's now, he's who's no Greg Popovich. But he's still – he was a pretty good coach. And that Nets team the year before they got Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving with D'Angelo Russell and Karis LeVert, Jared Allen, and and that and Dinwiddie, that was a fun team, actually. They won 42 games. They were a fun team to watch that year. And then they basically scratched all that for James Harden, who came into that season that the year they traded for him completely out of shape your man. And we all know how that turned out. And then what also happened was that Kenny Atkinson was a good coach, but they wanted, but they, Kevin and Kyrie said, nah, we want a guy that has no experience at all. We'll take Steve Nash. And then they went, they co-signed on it. And you say that Sean Marks isn't like a great GM. I don't think he's, I think he's a good GM. Yeah, he whiffed on a few picks in the in a few drafts, but he made the moves, some really good moves. And I actually thought this offseason, what they did by giving TJ Warren the MLE was very good. And they just traded for Royce O'Neal, a solid 3D player from the Utah Jazz. So I think they made some good moves. I don't really think Sean Marks is anybody to blame with, but this is what we talk about Jordan of a theme and that's accountability. I mean, Kevin and Kyrie brought this on themselves. They made so many transactions, so many moves that they co-signed and wanted the head coach players. They wanted, et cetera, et cetera. And it hasn't worked out. I'm not saying there were my Lakers terrible last year. I mean, they at least made the playoffs, but but still, they didn't win a playoff game. And that whole season, what happened with the Kyrie vaccination and James Harden fed up with Ky- with the whole vaccination thing and Kevin getting hurt, the sprained MCL, and he has only played, what, 90 games in three years with the Brooklyn Nets, not including the playoffs. Yeah. And, and then James Harden got traded. And then Ben Simmons, well – we don't have to go any further about Ben Simmons. We all know what that would happen. But I'm not going to waste my energy talking about it. But the point I'm trying to make is they brought this mess. That, and it's the, the whole situation of Kevin wanting out is kind of stuck in the mud. And he, because he doesn't like the way the direction is going, but he did, but him and Kyrie did this to themselves. They chose to go to the nest. They chose all these things. And Kevin, if, and now Kevin wants out, but, you made a good point. I mean, the teams that he originally prefers his destinations were the Suns and the Heat. Well, the Suns botched that deal, the whole DeAndre and thing, so they can't try, try yeah. sign and trade for him until, until January 15th. So that's off the table. Uh, the, the Heat, they are not going to include Bam in it, and that's a non-starter for them. The Sixers, I just don't see how that's going to happen. Kevin – First of all, Kevin, I don't know if he really truly wants to play with James Harden again. That's just me. The Celtics, I did think, were an intriguing team for Kevin Durant, though. 
because I really thought that they could maybe that they could trade Jalen Brown and Derek White and a Marcus and a Robert Williams for a few picks, but they don't, but then that Celtics said today, they don't want to include Robert Williams. He's off limits. So I really don't know what other options he has right now. Maybe you get a little creative, maybe throw in new Orleans or Toronto, but Toronto doesn't want to include Scotty Barnes in the deal. And why would they want to include Scotty Barnes in a deal? He just won rookie of the year. So I really don't know where he's going to end up, but this I'm not saying that, but there was something I did read Jordan that we shouldn't rule out the possibility of Katie holding out in training camp. I don't see that happening, but I do think Kevin, from all indications we've read, I do think he is very fed up with what's going on in Brooklyn, but it's all about accountability. Hey man, you brought this on yourselves. So would you, what do you think of that whole take of accountability? You think I I agree. I think they made a wrong decision going to Brooklyn. I think they chose Brooklyn over New York, which didn't make a lot of sense to me. Um, they probably well, Kyrie grew up a Nets fan in Jersey, so yeah, I just don't see why like Katie like needed to follow Kyrie Irving either. Like I don't know. First of all, why he didn't just stay in Golden State, get everything perfect there. Second of all, he. Well, even if he like wanted to go win a championship on his own, it's way more legendary if KD were to go win a championship for the Knicks in Madison Square Garden, a team that's never won, like a team that has so much value to them. And like you'd have, I mean, I don't know if they would have brought Steve Nash over there, but you have like a guy like Thibodeau there. Um, you, uh, you, they had a younger guy. They had a better team around him because the Nets had to give up everything for KD. The Nets didn't have the luxury of being the Knicks where they can attract anyone by being the Knicks in Madison Square Garden being the biggest market other than the Lakers being the biggest market. Like they didn't really have that, but I think I saw a thing earlier. I it's, it said it would be good for the league. I don't think it would. It said it was like Lakers get Kyrie Celtics get Katie battle for 18th ring that, that, yeah, I'm going to be totally honest with you. There is still hope somewhat hope that the Lakers get Kyrie, but the Celtics, Katie, I, I don't think that's going to happen. I really don't because the Celtics, the Nets want, first of all, the Nets want fucking everything for Kevin Durant. That's what they want. And it was because of that fucking Gobert deal that happened where the, where the, where the Timberwolves overpaid for a defensive player. I'm not saying Gobert's a bad basketball player. He's a good basketball player. He's the best defender, one of the best defenders in the world. A little overrated in the postseason, but still, you give up that much for a defensive player, what do you think the asking price is going to be for Kevin Durant? Exactly. It's what happens in the NBA and NFL nowadays. It's like you get, you see one person get a deal, you see one person get a trade offer, and you're like, oh, now I got to up that because Katie's like, I'm way better than Rudy Gobert. And the Nets are like, yeah, Katie's way better than Rudy Gobert. What, what, what can we get? It's kind of like this. Like, I bring it up all the time. The Christian Kirk Jaguar situation. He's getting paid as a top five to 10 receiver. So guys like AJ Brown, DK Metcalf and Debo Samuel are like, what the fuck? Like, why is Christian Kirk a wide receiver three getting paid that much money when I'm one of the best receivers in the league and shit like that happens where they get holdouts and trades. And it's the market. Let, me, let me ask you this. Do you see this being a problem with the next NBA CBA coming up where they talk about team players wanting out middle contracts? Mm-hmm. 100%. And want, 
100% this is going to Ben Simmons started or Ben Simmons may not have started it, but Ben Simmons put the nail in the coffin for NBA players having all this power because they're not going to be getting paid all this money to hold out anymore. All right. They're going to, they're not going to have all the power to sit out all season and get away with it, you know, because you're seeing a guy like Ben Simmons get paid some of the most money we've ever seen. And he's not even that good, but someone like him getting paid that much money and then just being like, you know what? I don't want to be here anymore. Fuck them. You know, this paid for my whole life. They paid, they gave him enough money for generations and he said, fuck them and left. Like it's not a good look on the NBA players and it's going to really screw over the guys in the middle of the pack who are just trying to get paid and doing the work. Yeah, I, I agree with you totally. And this is why the, I, the NFL ownership is way better than NBA ownership in general. Because NFL owners stand pat. Like, they don't – they draw a line in the sand and say, yeah, you're going to play out your contract. No matter how much holding out you're going to do, you're, how much bitching you're going to do, you're going to play. NBA owners typically don't have – I'm not saying they don't put their big boy pants on, but I feel like they don't hold their ground as much as I would love mm-hmm. – they, they, as much as they, the NFL owners do. It's also I wish much they were easier. more. Was that? Also much, sorry, it's also much easier in the NBA to just throw out a trade whenever because, first of all, it's like it's a much different, it's a much different league than the NFL and the way yeah. the salary works and everything. But yeah, go on. Yeah, but no, I, I agree with you on that one, and mm-hmm. I think Kevin. I mean, you can say what you want, but you got to play out your contract, like finish the job. At least mm-hmm. you just signed a four year extension. You, you're I, I, Kevin needs to face it in the mirror and say, look, there's there. No one's going to cut most of their core for you, Kevin. That's not, unless some team wakes up for it. I just don't see him getting traded. I really don't. So if Kevin also, I want to address this thing one more time, Jordan, just hear me out on this one. People say for KD, it's all about ball. He just wants to hoop. He doesn't care about being a leader. He just wants to hoop. Well, if it was all about hoops, then why did he leave Golden State a perfect situation? He didn't have to be the leader. He could most of the time be the best player on the team. Didn't have to worry about being the face of the franchise. Didn't have to worry about leadership. He could just hoop. If it was just all about hoop, he would still be with the Warriors right now, winning a few more rings. But no. It has to be something with Kevin. I don't know what is up with that guy. Yeah. I mean, also, it could be just about the fact that he wants to win a championship somewhere else so he can get that narrative kind of off of him that he needed the Warriors to win, you know, like how people aren't counting that ring. I think it's kind of getting to him because you know how sensitive he is, how emotional he is, and he admits to it. He's very sensitive to things online. That's why he's always reacting to things. That's why he's (laughs) on Twitter, on burners and everything. And always clapping back at people when, like, he doesn't really have to. Like, you're Kevin Durant. Stop talking shit to a guy with 30 followers <laughs> on Twitter. But that's just how he is. And I, I like the point that you made about the NBA owners and NFL owners. Like, what we saw this offseason with Debo, DK, and AJ Brown, the a couple owners stood their ground and said, you know what? Or a couple GMs, whatever. They stood their ground and said, you know what? I'm going to call your bluff, Debo. I'm going to call your bluff, DK. You're going to hold out, but guess what? You're not going to hold out the whole season, are you? And then they made deals. They got deals done. A.J. Brown was a different situation. They gave him a good offer. He didn't like it, so they said, all right, fuck you. We'll trade you. Like, it's basically the NFL owners and GMs have way more control over NFL players than NBA owners do. 
I agree. And that's unfortunately what's come to in the NBA. Mm-hmm. So before we move on to the sport that's coming up in a couple of weeks, final verdict, you don't think Kevin Durant's going to get traded? Nope. And I'm really excited to see him, Kyrie and Ben Simmons on the Nets this year. That will be one hell of a show. <laughs> what, what, Mr. What street clothes? Street clothes. Exactly. We'll see them in a COVID match. Street clothes wearing that Louis Vuitton hockey jersey. Mm-hmm. They'll probably get a, they'll probably get some N95s on too. You know, they might, then Brooklyn might, might make them do that. Kyrie <laughs> <laughs> yeah, might have to buy a seat across from them. You might have to buy a seat in the front row. We'll, we'll see what happens. Come on, Lakers, do something for them. All right, now let's move on to um, let's move on to your to your Tennessee Titans. I want to I want to talk to you about the the new national media news story for your team. Finally, your Titans are getting recognition. I don't know if you. It's the yeah, first time we've gotten recognition since um, the Colts had hard knocks and they started saying the Colts are going to beat the Titans. That's the only time the Titans got mentioned is when they said, oh, <laughs> the only time the Titans got any mention is when they said they were worse than the Colts. But yeah, come on. But so Malik Willis played last night against mm-hmm. the Ravens in a preseason game. And I know it's just preseason, but I thought he looked pretty good. He's very accurate with throwing the football. He ran pretty good. And I don't know what his exact stats were last night. I just read it. But I just saw a few highlights on Twitter. Um, and I, I don't know if you could tell me the stats off the top of your head. But from what I watched on this kid, like in training camp and from that preseason game, I don't know about you, but I think Tannehill is on a very, very, very short leash. And because of the criticism he's gotten the last your last two playoff games, and especially the really bad playoff game against Cincinnati, mm-hmm. yeah, I gotta ask you, what's the like time limit for on Ryan Tannehill before you bring in the before you bring in the young guns? I mean, I think we see how the season goes. I think it's a sim- not the same. I think it's a way different situation, but similar in a way to the Mariota Tannehill situation a few years ago where it was basically like, all right, we're going to bring someone in who's going to compete, and he might not be ready for the job yet. You're obviously going to be the starter, Tannehill, and you're obviously going to be the starter, Mariota, but see what the record is after a few weeks, and we'll see. Like, Tannehill went down to – or Mariota was 2-4 and four at one point, so they brought in Tannehill and turned the season around. But I don't see Malik Wills playing that early. I don't think he should play that early. I don't think he's ready to play that early. I don't think he's ready to play yet. Um his stats last night, I believe, where he was like six for eleven with like what, like hundred fifty yards. Yeah. Okay. Now I have his stats. I've just seen some highlights. Uh, the twenty-three year old finished the first half six of eleven, hundred seven yards in a, for passing plus twenty-one yards for rushing and a touchdown on four carries. So he mm-hmm. he's got some talent. I really mm-hmm. like him. I like him a lot. I, I Tannehill is the more experienced vet. He's going to. He, he's been in some big games. I thought that year where you made it to the AFC title game, I thought he played really well. I thought he was good his second year with the Titans where he was like top 10 in quarterback QBR. But I thought he was took, he regressed a bit last year. Mm-hmm. And a lot of it had to do with Kate, with Derrick Henry being out. And some of it had to do even before King Henry got out. He wasn't like his usual – good efficient self so i think i think he's on a time leash because if you're say your titans are struggling 
and the Colts have like a lead over you in the division. And if like the pressure is really getting hot right now, you don't think Vrabel will just pull the plug on Tannehill and let the rookie get a shot here? Um, I mean, last night was, I think, the national media. And, like, I watched a bunch of people talk about Willis. Like, I thought I saw Colin Coward talk about it. I saw Pat McAfee talk. I see everyone talking about him. It's great. I love the attention from the media, finally. But I think they're <laughs> overreacting a little bit. I don't think they actually watched the game. Um, it's Last night was largely, for me, a confirmation of basically everything that was in Malik Willis's draft profile and why he got to the third round. I mean, he's, it showed, I mean, his draft, they said he's an electric runner. He's got a huge arm, big time playmaking ability, but he's also not comfortable hanging in the pocket or throwing over the middle of the field. The good news is those negatives are fixable and the positive looks like it can work in the NFL like it did last night. So as long as you can fix those negatives, I mean, he started, so basically the plan going into the game was Willis was going to play the first half. Woodside was going to play the second half. Just see how they are. Tannehill's obviously the starter. Let's just see who's going to be the backup this year, who's going to make the practice squad. Because uh, Willis may not make the roster, so he's probably going to now, But because um, Woodside looked horrible. But basically, Vrabel liked what he saw in the first half out of Willis, but he wanted him to throw the ball more. Because there was a lot of times where there was wide open receivers over the middle field, and he just decided to sit there and hold the ball in his hand and maybe roll out and get a little scared to throw over the middle because that's what one of his flaws was at Liberty. Um, and that's why he might have fallen in the draft a little bit. Um, so he's not great in the pocket or over the middle field, but that's what he's going to have to grow into because, frankly, that's kind of what the Titans do on offense. You know, that's what that's why Mariota didn't really succeed because they didn't really use him outside the pocket. But, I mean, two positive things that I saw from him were, I mean, he looked very comfortable out there. Like, he didn't really look like he was so flustered. It just looked like he missed a few guys. Like, he didn't really throw them the ball. Um and he's just – there's a lot of times where he didn't get enough time because of the offensive line and he was able to make a play out of nothing, you know. There was a time where he got out of the pocket and could have easily thrown it away but took like a 20-yard sack, which I didn't like. Um, but that's another growing pain. He said after the game, I want to be coached. I want to get. I want to fix this. I want to do better. Like, I don't think that was good last night. And Vrabel said it too. Vrabel started him in the second half because he liked what he saw in the first half, but he told him in the locker room, throw the fucking ball over the middle of the field. Like, let it rip. And then Willis went out there, first play, had someone wide open over the middle, didn't throw to him. Tannehill, or not Tannehill, Vrabel took him out of the game and put Woodside in because of that. So I think that's going to be a big, I think Vrabel wants to get the best out of Willis. I think he's going to challenge him like that a lot, where he's going to say, do this, even if you might not think it's there, just fucking do it. It's the preseason. We'll figure it out later. I want you to get comfortable throwing over the middle because it's the NFL. And when someone... Like, the windows are so tight in the NFL. Right. In college, a lot of the times, he's at liberty playing these shit teams. People are going to be wide open. Like in the NFL, you got to take the smallest window and take that opportunity, and he didn't really do that last night. He's a little scared, too. But I do like him a lot. I think he's definitely a pro more of a project than people think. I don't think he's ready to start in year one. I don't want him to start this year. Obviously, it would be fun if he starts one game or if he gets in a game. I'll get excited. You'll see me on Twitter. I'll be excited. But – I hope it doesn't get to that point because I hope Tannehill plays well. I think he will play well. I think the Titans will play well. So I'm not really that worried about that. It's just a couple of little negatives that he needs to fix and the Titans need to fix for him, which I think will be fine because we got um, we got Kelly at the quarterback coach now, which is nice. So good developing quarterbacks. So you're not as high on him and and not hyping onto this train as a lot of media people are. I, I'm I'm. I'm non-binary on this. I, I really just 
I don't have a dog in this fight, but from what I've the highlights I watched on my phone, like nonchalantly, I said, Oh, yeah. this no, kid's pretty good. I like this flashes. kid. He showed flashes. Yeah. And that's what you need in the preseason. You need to see, like, oh, so he can still outrun people in the NFL. He can still make people on the field mm-hmm. look slow. He can still uh, have his sling, gunslinger of an arm. He can use his sidearm throw like ten, like uh, Mahomes. He can get out of the pocket and throw off the run and still throw it 50 yards downfield. That's still there. Just saying, I went back, watched some of the, I don't know what the what it's called, the camera angle from behind the quarterback, kind of like the Madden camera angle. Um, I, there's a lot of times where there's just guys open over the middle field and he missed them. So that's something that he needs to work on. Um, but no, I'm very high on him. I just don't think he's ready to start yet because a lot of people in the media are saying, oh, he's going to, he should start now, or he's ready to start year one. I'm just like, all right, slow your roll. We'll see the next couple of preseason games. Tannehill's obviously the starter. Like, I'm not worried. I think if Tannehill plays well, that's fine. We'll win games. If not, I'd love to see Willis play. But aren't you, aren't you getting a little bit like impatient with Tannehill though? I mean, considering what happened in the playoffs and what, how and then that, after that first throw interception by Mike Hilton and then a very key late interception and ultimately hate to bring it up, but you know what, what happened at the end. Aren't you getting a little tired of him? The fact that in back-to-back playoff games, he's not lived up to that hype to, to get to where you guys ultimately want to get to. I'm not that – I don't know if impatience is the word. I mean, I was a little – I was obviously pissed after that game. It was his worst game as a Titan, and it, it came at the wrong time. But I don't think there's, like, a history of him choking in the playoffs. I think that was a choke, obviously. That was a horrible game. I think not just – I don't think against the Ravens it was a I choke. Think, I just think he underperformed. I This – that I game was the thing. In that Ravens game, though. I think everyone underperformed in that Ravens game. Derrick Henry had, like, 40 yards. Even Lamar underperformed. Even the Ravens underperformed. It was a defensive game. I think Vrabel got out coached that game. Uh, the Bengals game, though, that was obviously the worst game Tannehill could have expected. And Derrick Henry didn't even play that well that game. The play calling was horrible. The O line was bad. Everything Your favorite guy, Todd Downing. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> we brought in Tim Kelly to be the uh, like he's not the offensive coordinator, but he's like the passing game coordinator. So that could really help Malik Willis's development because he's a very good developer as court as like a quarterbacks coach type of thing. Um. But, I mean, Tannehill, he's brought us two division wins um, back-to-back, something that doesn't happen in the Titans for the Titans. He gave us two home playoff games. Hasn't happened in a while. He gave us the one seed last year without Derrick Henry for most of the year. It doesn't really happen. But, I don't know, we'll see this year. I like the new – I mean, might surprise people, but I actually like the new receiving core. Um, I'm excited for something fresh. It was really frustrating having Julio Jones on the IR half the year and AJ Brown on and off the IR. And I'm just excited that I'm really excited for Robert Woods, Bobby trees, very excited for Traylon Burks. See if he can uh, develop. He's had a tough training camp here and there, but shown a lot of flashes. And then there's a few other, there's a rookie guy, Kyle Phillips in the slot, good power returner, shit like that. And then the defense, obviously I think is top five in the league. So. By the way, I hate that people are like throwing dirt on King Henry, but he people forgot. I saw you retweeted this and I said, wow, for fantasy, he was the number one running back PPR before he got hurt. And he was still a beast. He was on and pace to break the rushing record. He was he was. And he was and he was way ahead of everybody else. 
before and Jonathan Taylor, no disrespect. I mean, he's obviously deserved like the lion's share, like the credit for how Indy was mostly very good last year and how JT I was arguably the second best running back in the league. And he's by most people out there, the number one pick in fantasy, but the King is still the King. I, 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 I love King Henry. I think he's, he's a workhorse. I see what he's posting the off season, but that off season thing he had with him standing on one foot, bouncing a medicine ball. He's he's a freak. He's a freak. As long as he can stay healthy and they can sort of balance his workload. Like I love that he was getting 220 cares a year or whatever he was getting because it worked, but if he can't do that anymore, he's getting because running backs do age out. So if he can't really get that anymore, I like the Hassan Haskins trap pick. So I, I, I hope he compliments him well. I hope they use the backup more. I hope Hassan could take like five to six carries away from him. But yeah, I mean, I'm excited for the season. Uh, and I want to issue some breaking news here. Just saw on my phone. What happened? Padres star Fernando Tatis Jr violated major league baseball's performance enhancing drug policy and is facing a suspension sources with the situation told ESPN. Wow. So I we got breaking news on the pod. Yeah. He was just recovering from an injury. So I'm pretty sure that's probably what it is. He was probably using something to recover that he wasn't supposed to. I don't think he's using like steroids, but a similar thing to Julian Edelman that other year when he tore his ACL and got suspended four games and then like D hop this year. So I mean, look, you have to understand from what I'm obviously not as big of a huge baseball fan like you are, but I know a lot about the steroids and the steroids era with baseball players, how it's really just an advantage field. I'm not obviously now it's a lot cleaner now in today's game, but I mean, people still eventually are going to use it at some point. I mean, it's baseball and cycling are pretty similar. Back then, with 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 all the all the cycling, and Lance Armstrong was essentially a part of a culture that was already like established with doping and using all these steroids that they were that these cyclers were using to gain advantage. I'm not say, defending Lance Armstrong. I'm not a fan of his, but he was originally part of this culture. The MLB, unfortunately, for better or for worse. There is a culture set with steroids and with and things are not handled in the most kosher kind of ways when the MLB's fate had problems many, many years. The MLB out of the big four sports is probably the most dysfunctional among the big four sports. Rob Manfred, I feel like, is more so about business than he is about players i feel like and it clearly didn't work considering the fact that what happened with um uh, the dodgers when they won that 2020 world series and now justin turner got COVID what with the rest of the team while he was still playing in that world series game or how the mlb was in a lockout before this season so there is a lack of structure i feel like and i'm not and obviously maybe there's something going on with Fernando Tatis, but I mean, the MLB is just very lackadaisical as far as being strict about the doping. And I feel like there's just needs to be more structure. I feel like compared to the NBA and the NFL, I'm not saying that I'm not saying there's anything going wrong with Fernando Tatis, but 
Wait, what's your reaction? 80 game suspension. 80, 80 games. Wow. Wait, let me see what this what, what this drug is that he's in. Go keep going. I'll just search it up. So yeah, I'm well now the 80 games. I mean, yeah, that's good, but it's about time. There needs to be a certain rule in place with people do doing doping. And I feel like the MLB now they give them the 80 games, but from now on, there needs to be a permanent stand on performance enhancing drugs. I I don't give a crap about cycling, but in both sports, there needs to be taking a stand on this one, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a synthetic androgenic steroid with anabolic effects that is frequently used in sports to increase physical performance. Wow. Yeah, that is fucked up. That, that, so he's actually, he like, does deserve up. 80 games. So he's roiding up. <laughs> he is roiding up. I thought he was just because he's been out for the whole year. Like he hasn't played a game this year. So with a wrist injury. So I was assuming he was using like something to like recover. So this, this is, this is, well, he is really very bonding this. Wow. I don't know when he was using it, but. He's really Mark McGuire in this for sure. Yeah. Wow. That is, did not expect to talk about that today, but. Well, I guess we are. It's about time. And again, what do you think of my stance? Did I answer it correctly? I rarely. Mm -hmm. Did I? Do you agree with my take in that sort of way? Yeah, I one hundred percent agree with that. Yeah, I mean, he's on the verge of coming back, like he was just about to return from his wrist injury. So yeah, it's all about structure. That's really all it is. What do you think? I think that's true. I think he doesn't have Manfred doesn't really have the like. Obviously, he has the power, but he doesn't really have like the authority. Like people don't really like take him seriously. That's the thing. I. I don't. I'm not really the biggest baseball fan. I don't even take him seriously. Mm-hmm. Everyone takes Roger Goodell seriously, and everyone takes Adam Silver seriously. Like Gary Bettman, I don't really know. I don't really know much about hockey, but no one takes Manfred seriously, and it's shown this season. And, Absolute I mean, disgrace. Yeah. Um, we went a little off topic there, but I want to get back into this. Football, my favorite thing every August. is That is uh, – I just got to say, my favorite. if there was – an Emmy award, obviously in acting, there's no such thing as playing yourself in a documentary. There's no awards for it, but if there's going to be an Emmy for like a documentary acting, playing yourself, Dan Campbell should be a front runner for it. His opening speech saying, you know how there's a, there's a perceived light at the end of the tunnel. Well, no, it's a fucking train. Like, and how, and I just love his charisma and, Mm -hmm. I obviously don't want to play football, but if I were to put hat pads and a shoulder helmets and pads on, I'd play for Dan Campbell. The, the, he's obviously people are going to say, why is he training? Why is he doing these sit these um, down ups with his players? And he was doing it like he really was like his background. It's very unconventional how he got a head coaching job. Him bouncing around being interim coach for 12 games at the Miami Dolphins. And then he was with Sean Payton's staff. And he was a player. He bounced around multiple times. Mm-hmm. And then he was a tight ends coach with New Orleans. And now he got the head coaching job with Detroit. And he's won everyone over. <laughs> and he's won everyone over. He is that what Detroit is. It's a blue-collar, tough city. And that's really who he is. And – He's funny, and I, that thing that happened, he's, he's actually pretty hilarious. 
when one of the reporters' alarm went off, <laughs> that was so funny. It was like, what's your name? Wow, I'm going to remember you. Colton. Colton. I'm going to remember you, Colton. And then he, yeah, and then he's, and he asked, is that an alarm? It's like, yeah, it is. It's like, wow, you're up early. Yeah. And I've so, seen someone go three and 13 or three and 14 and get so much. Three, 13 and one. Yeah, well-deserved praise. Well-deserved praise. And people forget, this is a side point, no one really cares about it, but the Detroit Lions were actually one of the best teams against the spread last year. They were like nine and five against the spread. A lot of cool so they were the best three-win team ever last year. Mm-hmm. That, yeah. as oxymoronic as that sounds, <laughs> like, yeah, what, what was your takeaway from it? Um, not just, I mean, obviously, MCDC, Motor City, Don Campbell. He's the boy. He's one of my second favorite coach in the league behind, obviously, Braves. Oh, I think yeah. he takes a lot. I think he's very similar to Braves with the doing the down-ups with that. Like, Vrabel's always, like, getting in with getting in with the O-line. Like, he's playing D-line half the time, like, in practice. I think they both got similar in that way. They're both, like, funny guys. So, I love him a lot. I'm fully on the Lions bandwagon this year. If, I mean, the Titans are in the AFC, they're not playing the Lions this year. I want the Lions to win the NFC. Um, I will never happen, but I I would root. Won't happen, but I mean, this team is the most. The, the biggest thing I took away from this episode of Hard Knocks is that this team is very close knit. Like they're very tight. Yeah, they're very. They, they've got a brotherhood in there, and they've only that that Billy Jean thing that happened yeah. with Aiden Hutchinson. Like uh-huh. they were. I felt like I was watching a concert. And everybody was rooting for him to do this yeah. to like do well as well as singing as they wanted to do well on the field. Like this is yeah. a very tight knit brotherhood team. And then with the dancing, with that, uh, that was awesome. And like just the whole Jamal Williams speech, everything. Like they, they have a brotherhood there. That guy was Jamal Williams. Man, he was. I've always seen him as just a goofy guy, but then him getting emotional and like crying while giving a speech to the huddle, and like saying like do this for dan like do this for coach y'all looking at him crazy but he's doing this for you do this for me if i get tired i'm gonna do it for you like shit like that and like them all coming together and like patting him on the back and going crazy like i love the pads on the first day thing i think it makes sense because he's saying like if we're gonna just take it easy during training camp and ease into the season we're not gonna be ready till week six and we're already gonna be zero and six like and i love that i love i that. love how campbell has that mix of like very players coach like mm-hmm. while also and very cool and funny while having the great seriousness of being a tough as shit coach and where he told the whoever it was that was in charge of the music saying turn the fucking music down and say you have to lock the fuck in in training camp mm-hmm. like he really wants this if there to be them to be the best team they possibly can be that's really what i took away from it and this Aiden Hutchinson kid out of Michigan, he's going to be something very special, I feel he's, like. He was shredding and bitching Panay Sewell, who was, who was last year graded as one of the best tackles in football as a rookie out of Oregon, shout out. Um, but, yeah, he was making him look like a fool out there. He making him look like a nobody, and that's one of the best tackles in football. So that was great, and I love that. I love Panay's response saying, like, yeah, he burned the shit out of me, and that's a good thing probably because that means he's going to be really good out there and it's going to make me better. So I always root for homegrown players and it's so great. It's a great story. It's a great subplot to this, to this uh, hard knock season is 
the, their number, their first overall draft pick, they, their first round draft pick, homegrown, uh, big Michigan fan, big Lions fan, went to Michigan, number two pick in the draft from his hometown team. That's just, that's just a great story. Aiden Hutchinson couldn't have scripted it any better, I feel like. Mm-hmm. See how all these athletes want to like play for their hometown team at some point. Like that's just a great story. I feel like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I hundred percent. I agree. <clears throat> I think it all fell into place because I think he probably should have been the number one overall pick and ended up going two to the Lions. So it all kind of worked out. And they also got Jamison Williams, JMO out of Alabama. He's definitely going to be out for the first few games with that because of that ACL injury. But hope he does come back soon mm-hmm. and gives Jared Goff a weapon. But they, they, they have – They need a quarterback. I think they need to get a quarterback in this next draft. I don't think they're there yet. They could win, like, seven games maybe, but they're definitely – As words of Dan Campbell, right now we're in the Arctic, but soon we're going to the Caribbean. Yep. And, and look, I, I'm not – Jared Goff's not a scrub quarterback. I think if he's in the right weapons – and if he's with the right offensive line, he could be decent. You mm-hmm. saw what he really was with the Rams. Yeah. He couldn't have gotten – there's no better position he was in with the Rams than he had with McVay. Like, McVay yeah. was an offensive maestro. The Lions don't have that offensive maestro mm-hmm. coordinator. He, he's more of an average mm-hmm. – above-average game manager, I feel like. He's not yeah. a scrub. He's not, yeah. like – below below scrub he's not like this Pittsburgh Steelers quarterback situation I think he's better than those Steelers quarterbacks I just think he's not quite there as far as that level of consistency you need Mm -hmm. to get that team to the next level the Lions had I think their defense is going to get better with the Hutchinson I think their the offense has weapons I think DeAndre Swift's going to be probably a borderline first round early second draft pick in fantasy, I feel like. And TJ Hawkinson, I feel like, is a very underrated tight end. Good. If he stays healthy, yeah, of course. So, yeah, the Lions have potential. Mm -hmm. I love the the offensive coordinator and defense coordinator and training camp going at it during the drills. Oh, yeah, that's great. I, I was at first like when I saw those helmets, though, I will I was I mean to ask you this, what do you think of those new helmets they have? It makes sense. It but does, but it was like I felt like I was watching something from like the early 1900s. Those are the yeah. kind of helmets people would wear in the yeah. 1900s. It feels like I'm watching a movie where they have to like, or it looks like I'm watching like them creating Madden 23, where they have to like have like the dots on them and stuff. Like, you know what I'm talking about? Right. To get the animations in, but it has a reason, it has a purpose. They wouldn't be doing it if it meant nothing. So as long if it helps keep players safe protect injuries I'm all for it i just don't know why some people don't wear it <laughs> i just make it consistent i'm really confused but looks weird looks funny makes sense though to me who's your who is like your favorite character from hard knocks besides stan campbell you would say obviously he's the best one but there's a lot hmm you have to go with Jamal Williams because he got that goofy side yeah. to him, which I love. Like you saw that clip from him last year where he's talking about the Packers being his ex and he wants to beat them. And then like Did he saw him in hard knocks getting emotional and really wanting it. And you saw him like goofing around still with some people and like right. him and Dan Campbell's connection. Like 
he's like, you ready to go? Or he's like, hey, coach, I'm ready to go. And coach, he's like, like, I'm not, I'm not worried about you. I know you're ready to go. Yep, exactly. And that's why he's been a very successful. He's always been a backup to Aaron Jones and DeAndre Swift, but he's always been really good. He's He's been been staying ready. And this, and DeAndre Swift, I think when he's healthy, I think he's really great running back. I think top 10 running back for sure. I think he, I think he's a very good in the catching out of the backfield. I feel like he's very, he's a very good runner. He's a good PPR fantasy running back. I really do think so. Yeah. hundred percent. This is the time of the year where you see the guys in hard knocks that are like, not, I'm not talking about DeAndre Swift. I'm just talking about like the, the low key guys yeah, who, like, yeah. who you don't know about unless you watch hard knocks like Darren Waller a few years ago with the Raiders. Nobody knew who he was. I watched hard knocks. He looked solid. He barely made the roster. And I was like, you know what? great story i love this guy i picked him up right away in the first week and he ended up being the best like one of the best tight ends in the league so yeah he's top where it, top three to five sure. tight end football yeah i'm just interested yeah. to see that with the lions this year if there's going to be anyone but right I like that they're focusing a lot on dan campbell though i think everyone wants that right before we move on to our final like before we get before our divisional predictions i was gonna i'll ask you this what's your ceiling for this detroit lions team so, I mean, to do our divisional predictions, I just I, – I, I went into my favorite website there is, and it's playoffpredictors.com where you can, like um, – you just, like – you get the schedule and you just right. pick who you think is going to win each week and stuff. So, after doing that, I have them with six wins. But I think they're ce- – that, that's what I think, but I think their ceiling is higher than that. I think their ceiling is nine wins. I think they could be at above 500 football team. I just don't think they're going to crack the ten wins whatsoever. I think that's way too hard for them to do. And I think nine is very unrealistic for them, but I think I wouldn't be surprised if they got nine wins this year. I think that's their ceiling, but it's a very optimistic ceiling. I think their floor is another like three and 14 season, but I have them right in the middle of six. Yeah. I I have them as six as well. I think they, I think they have a lot of good tools to build on with the future and they'll be able to win more games. Now I feel like, um, now they have a culture set in place with Dan, that Dan yep. Campbell set in training camp. They'll definitely win more than three games. There's no question about that. I think they have a little better roster this year than they did last year. But in the future, I think this team could be really something. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's going to be a Super Bowl in a couple of years, but I, if they have the right pieces, they could be a team that could do some damage in the NFC because Brady's going to be out in a few years. We don't know what's going to be with the Rams in a couple of years with their money situation. Minnesota, I don't know. They, they, the Lions could be that team to take that next step and to be in that top tier in the next two to three years. I would, they're, they're a team I would definitely would want to see do well. It would be a great story if they were able to do well. This is the first time that they would be relevant. If they were able to get to that high level since the Barry Sander day, Sanders days, It'd be just great for the league, I feel like. I mean, the, the Stafford and Megatron Lions, it was just them, them two that was really what made that team go. Yeah, the Lions have had some good defenses over the years, but it really was just Stafford to Megatron. That was mainly their offense. Mm-hmm. And they were just a, a, just a barely in playoff team. Mm-hmm. That's what their ceiling was, and Stafford, and they didn't win any playoff games. In a couple of years, I think they can get to that Barry Sanders level. Right now, not this year. I'm going to say five. I'm going to say six wins like you. Right. Unreal. Um, let's get into our last thing. It's the, we, me and uh, 
Maddie over here. We're going to pick our four division winners in each conference uh, before, like, way too early. Well, how are we doing this? Are we just going to list the con- list the division, then we list, then we switch, then we go by, we switch turns, or? Yeah, let's just do one division at a time. Um, All right, cool. I'm ask you first, who do you think is going to win the AFC East? I think we're both going to probably have the same one here. Yeah, this is, this, this is a no-brainer. And by the way, just a quick side point. My website's going to be posted next week, and I'm good. One of my blog posts is going to be on divisional predictions. You'll see that, but because I'm on this pod, I'll dedicate myself and I will say my predictions right here with my co host. I will AFC East. This is a no brainer for me. It's Buffalo. I mean, I have them in the AFC title game. I'm not going to reveal who I have them against yet. I'll say that'll be later on in the show, but. I think that what they look, they were 13 seconds away from essentially going to the AFC title game, going up against a banged up Joe Burrow who took a beating against your Titans the week before. So I think the bills would have had a great chance to go to the first Super Bowl since the Jim Kelly days, but their defense didn't have that pass rush and you saw what happened and the coin, I knew they lost as soon as the coin toss happened but they had the same roster intact. Josh Allen's an absolute stud. I think he can take that next big leap. Uh, Stephon Diggs is still great. Uh, Gabriel Davis is very good. And their defense across the board statistically was a top three defense. I think they were number one last year statistically in defense last year mm-hmm. across the board. And even though you, th- we, you told me on the pod they were kind of overrated because based off strength of schedule – Still number one is still number one. That's still pretty good. Mm-hmm. I do think that the Von Miller pickup, it could be worth it, even though they drastically overpaid for him, that six-year $120 million. He, they think he could be that next missing piece. Mm-hmm. No disrespect to Von whatsoever, but he was successful because Aaron Donald got so much attention last year. So we'll see, but – there's not really much competition in that division. I mean, yeah, the Dolphins could be exciting. I don't know how great Tua really is. The Patriots, fucking, fucking uh, Matt Patricia is calling offensive plays. At Patricia and Belichick, defensive calling, coordinator is calling offensive plays. That's just unheard of, ever. <laughs> and I don't. Matt Jones, I like, don't love. Uh, but so yeah, I'm going to probably no, not probably, definitely the Buffalo. Yeah, I'm also going with Buffalo here. You pretty much summed it up with everything you said. Their division sucks. Mac Jones sucks. The Dolphins, their quarterback can't throw past 10 yards, so I don't know why they would get a speedster. Um, I mean, the Dolphins are probably their only threat because if Tua improves, they can be exciting. Like you said, they're going to be a fun team to watch. And the Jets are the Jets. It's just- the Jets are going to suck. Patriots are going to suck. Dolphins are going to be middle of the pack, but in the AFC, you had to be more than the middle of the pack to make it. The AFC is going to have a bunch of teams with 11 wins. That's how it always is. It's how it's been the past few years. They got all the talent there. So I think the Bills win, and I think they actually get the one seed in the AFC too, if we're going that deep. But I think they do get – I do. I don't know. I think they're the team to be in the AFC this year. I think Allen's going to take that next step. Uh, I think their defense is very strong. So – and let's go with the AFC West. This is the toughest division in football. Toughest division in football. 
I think we're both gonna. I, actually, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna say. I think you might have the same one as me here because I think you like this team a lot. I'm gonna go with the team that made a lot of offseason moves on the defensive side to really sure things up, and I'm gonna go with the Los Angeles Chargers. Yes, sir. Led by Air Bear himself, the gunslinger from Oregon, absolute stud. He's got Austin Eckler in the backfield, uh, one of the best running backs in football, as we all know, probably top five. Uh, he's got receivers like Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, like unstoppable. Uh, defensively, they just brought in Khalil Mack, who's still got something left in the tank. I'm, I'm, I'm sure of it. Stay yeah, I know he is. The Bears were not in the per- in the best position to do so, and he was hurt. But he'll be in a better position. Like J.C. Jackson. Oh, he'll be in warm weather. Mr. INT. J.C. Jackson, Mr. INT. Um, a lot of people think Derwin James overrated, but yeah, Derwin James is back. Um, I like this team. Oh, Joey Bosa. How do I forget? Joey that? B. Joey B is there and ready to wreak havoc with Cleo Mack on the other side. This team is going to be fun to watch, fun for fantasy, and they're going to win some damn football games in the toughest division in football this year. Who I, spoiler alert, have four teams making the playoffs from that division. Oh, you have all four. I don't, I don't think that obviously that's never happened for the first time ever. I think you could bet on it actually on a sports book. I think I'm going to do it. I think all four of them make the, make the playoffs, but I think the chargers win the division. What about you? I, I agree with you on the chargers win division. I don't know about all four of them making it out. That's just nearly next to impossible. All four of them making it out. Uh, I don't think the Raiders, if there's one team I'm betting against is the Raiders only it's not, they're a bad team. Obviously it's just that compared to the other teams, their defense is not as strong as the Chargers, and they have the worst quarterback. I'm not saying – Carr's a good quarterback. He's a top 15 to 20 quarterback. No, top – no, that's rude. Top 15 for sure. Uh, but they're – but the, uh, it's all – it's a quarterback's league, and the other three in that division are better than them. And this Justin Herbert, man, I – people are all hyped about Joey B and all that, but – this Herbert kid, when we both agree, or this Herbert kid is bet a lot better in tangibles as far as the arm strength, as far as accuracy, as far as just more talent and more upside. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's statistically better than Burrow, I would say. We both are in that mi- minority here. Justin Herbert's a fucking stud. I don't care what anybody says. And the, if you looked at the games they lost last year in that final game against the Raiders, their pass rush let them down in that final game. And they let up a league high 48% on third down conversions. Mm-hmm. So their defense lacked that pass rush. And Khalil Mack, what the Buffalo Bills think Von Miller could be, I think Khalil Mack mm-hmm. will be for the Los Angeles Chargers. Mm-hmm. And I think they have all the tools necessary. The Denver is gonna. I love. I love Russell Wilson. I'm excited to see him in my Denver Broncos uniform. I think they'll be fun. It's good to see that they're back to being relevant again. Denver is with the quarterback, the by easily the best they've had since Peyton before he retired. And and then I the Chiefs. I'm never gonna count out against Mahomes, even though they lost Tyree Juju Smith Schuster. I feel like is gonna get his redemption back in stored and from lack for now that he's not doing TikToks with Jackson Mahomes, which is a blessing. And I think the chiefs still look very good. They're still going to be tough to beat. I'm never going to, I'm not going to count out Mahomes. So yeah, I think it's the charters for the taking. 
Mm -hmm. I agree. Um, let's move on to um, fuck it. Let's go with the AFC South. I want to. Okay. okay. <laughs> this is where we're going to disagree. This is where it all the, the roads ends here. You're going to hate me saying this, but I'm going to take the team that you despise. I'm going to take the Indianapolis Colts because I think their, their defense was very good last year. Darius the Leonard Maniac. Wait, what's his name now? What's his real name? No, uh, shit, let me wait. Let me switch. Up. Keep going. I, 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 know, I know he changed his name. It's something with like an He SH. changed his name. I want to call. I want to be with like an SH. Just and address him properly. Yeah, let me, let me switch it up for you. I, I know it's something with an essay. It's like Shaquille or something. Um, I think it's Shaquille. Yeah, Shaquille. Shaquille Leonard. Oh, he's Shaq. Shaq Leonard. Shaq Leonard. Uh, Shaquille. Shaquille Leonard. Shaquille Leonard and DeForest Buckner, and they just picked up Stefan Gilmore. His middle name is Shaquille, and he wants to go by it now. So Okay. Shaq Leonard and DeForest Buckner, and they just got Stefan Gilmore, which I thought was just a steal move in the offseason. And offensively, look, I know you're not the biggest Matt Ryan fan, but I do think he does have – when I, when I look at the quarterbacks in the AFC South, there's not really much to write home about. Trevor Lawrence has could get to that all-pro potential one day, but now is not the time. He still has a lot to work on. I, I don't know. Davis Mills, I mean, they, they're making up noise about him for no reason this offseason. And, look, you know how I'm not the biggest Tannehill fan, and it's a quarterback's league, and I look at the defense, I look at this, and I know – that you are obviously very strong on King Henry against Jonathan Taylor. But John, I'm not saying he's better than King Henry. I'm not going to make an insane statement like that. But Jonathan Taylor is something special. And he's, a, he's absolutely one of the best weapons in all of football. And the GM in the in-season hard knocks, Chris Ballard, said the same thing. He could be the, – he is the, one of the best weapons in all of football. He can catch in the backfield. He can run. Very, he can run. He, he's tough to bring down. It's going to take a lot of guys to bring down a guy like Jonathan Taylor. And he is he's the he's the second best running back in all of football. And Matt Ryan, I think now that he's in the right position now. I think that he's has he's in a culture like Indy is. And now I think this is the time where I think they can at least climb the mountain and finally win that their first division title since the Andrew Luck days. So I'm going to take the Indianapolis Colts to win the AFC South. All right, that's cute. Well, the winners of the AFC South over the past two years are going to three-peat. It's the Tennessee Titans. And it's the <laughs> okay. No question whatsoever. Let me read them off. Uh, why not this defense? Why are people sleeping on this defense? They're a top five defense in the league. They were last year. Oh, they don't get all the interceptions. Oh, they don't get all the fumbles. I don't give a fuck. All right. We got Danico Archer. We got the same defense we did last year. We got Danico Archer on the edge, who had an unbelievable season after the Colts wasted him. Tyre Tart up the middle with Jeffrey Simmons. Two big dogs running people over, sacking 13 times in a playoff game, whatever the fuck the number was. Sacking Joe Burrow 100 million times. Bud Dupree on the outside, you know, people call him a little overrated. I don't care. Overpaid. I don't care. He helped out our defense a lot. He brought them from being one of the worst to one of the best. When he's healthy, he's there. Uh, at linebacker, we got still got David Long, Zach Cunningham. Not big names. Two young guys who are ready to go. Dogs. Harold Landry. Dog. Cornerback room. People say it's the most important position on the defense. And people say, oh, you guys aren't that good at there. Caleb Farley coming off an ACL injury. Back. 
Christian Fulton, there. Elijah Molden, dog. Second round draft pick, Roger McCrary, dog. And then we have the best safety duo in the league with Kevin Byron and Monty Hooker. That's obvious. And why are people sleeping on the offense all of a sudden? So we don't have AJ Brown and Julio Jones, the flashy names. I don't give a fuck. Those guys are injury prone. Robert Woods. Robert Woods. Bobby Trees is here to stay. All right. This guy is an absolute workhorse. He's a dog. He's going to block better than anyone in the league. And he's going to get open for Tana, Tana, Wheel, Tana Wheels. Why are people sleeping on him? As if he had a horrendous season. Dude's still got the wheels. He's got a solid arm. He can throw the ball. Get him receivers. Julio Jones and A.J. Brown were never there for him. Robert Woods. Well, never there for him. A.J. Brown was never there for him. Never. Never was. Oh, you're, are you just saying that because of the of what happened this offseason? I just think you're a little still salty. No, maybe because he missed half the fucking season with an injury. Nick Westbrook-Akina, there. Great blocker. Solid receiver. Gets open. Yeah, I like his game. First round draft pick. Traded up for him. New A.J. Brown. That He is the new A.J. Brown. Kyle Phillips. Smart oh, guy out of UCLA. Runs a route like nobody else. Um, who else? Who else do you want me to name? Taylor Lewan, Goat. Oh, who's the tight end this year? Oh, Austin Hooper. Um, still, and then we also drafted Chiga Konkwu, Goat. Um, basically, what I'm saying is we have the coach of the year. And we have the, pretty much the same rosters last year with, in my, in my opinion, an improved offense. Oh, and guess what? The king is back. Back. All right. And he's got help with John Trell Hillier, Jordan Wilkins, and Son Haskins. All right. And hey, Tanhill. Maybe he goes down with an injury. Maybe he's not too playing too well. Guess what? We got the new age Patrick Mahomes and Malik Willis. If he's starting uh, oh, you're going there. He is here. He is here. Third rounder. Uh, don't don't make me hype him up. Don't sure. hype him up Best for quarterback me. Quarterback in this draft was a third quarterback taken in the draft. Literally the biggest steal in the draft. Um, yeah, Titans are winning the division. Pretty simple. Um, get your facts straight. Um, let's go with the last team in the AFC and the AFC North. Who do you have, winning? I mean, when I look at this, I used to think this was the toughest division in football. But now I think it's just a two-team race. But I'm going to go in there and I'm going to take the reigning AFC champion, uh, Cincinnati Bengals, in this one. I mean, I love their offseason. I mean, they, they, they just stole Brady's guy, his, one of his bodyguards, Alex Kappa, which I thought was great. They, this, and they got Lyle Collins from the uh, from the Cowboys, one of the better O-linemen in all football. Like, they – this is what they wanted to do. Like, and the Bengals organization was known for being cheap all those years of free agency. They got Burrow help. And last year, I was – even though I was rooting against him in the Super Bowl because of my future with the Rams, I was concerned about Burrow with his health and from that knee injury he sustained – He's took a beating last playoffs. What the what your Titans did to him? I was surprised he even got up after that. How? Yeah, I'm not discounting your defense last year, but still, it's almost next to impossible to allow a quarterback to get sacked nine times. Nine times. The Edward Rooney from Ferris Bueller, but. Still, it's next to impossible for that to happen. And now they have a great offensive lineman, top 10 for sure. And they still have the weapons back. You still, and you still, even you did lose Uzoma, but you still got Mixon. You still got uh, Jamar Chase, who's, who's, uh, who's just had the best rookie season statistically since Randy Moss. T. Higgins, which is a great number two option. Tyler Boyd's a solid number three option. And your defense is still pretty good with uh, Hendrickson, who I like uh, from the Saints. Eli and- Apple. 
<laughs> that's the one player that that that's the one player on that team I do not like. But but and I I'm not a people think I'm a bro hater. I'm not a Joe Bro hater. I think he's just I hate how you have to hype him up in that sort of way. But I actually like Joe Burrow a lot. And because Lamar's contract situation is still murky and I just, and they hadn't, then they lost one of his best, his, his favorite receiver in Hollywood Brown. And I just, I'm not high as Lamar as other people are because for a lot of reasons, uh, because he's struggles with, with accuracy and out of the pocket. And he had a career high 13 interceptions last year. I'm just not sold on Lamar as a lot of people are. And the Steelers, their, their quarterback situation is just a mess. I don't trust any of those quarterbacks, to be honest with you. And the Browns, I mean, it depends on Deshaun Watson. Like, if he's – if I mean, if he didn't have any offseason controversies, then, yeah, he would – the Browns would be the favorite. But he's – he – was the one who made a terrible decisions this past off season. And he's getting what he deserved. I'm surprised it's not even more of a suspension than it already is. I would suspend him for the full year if I was the NFL, but I mean, I don't, do you really trust the Kobe Brissett to hold the fort down for the eight games that he's six to eight games. He's going to miss. I don't trust him that at all. And yeah, the Bengals are kind of a no brainer in this one for me. Yeah, um, this one wasn't really a no-brainer, but it was very close for me. Um, I have this team beating the other team that you just named by one game in the division. I have the Baltimore Ravens winning the division this year. Whoa! Um, I don't know why that's really a whoa. I mean, it's obviously not going to be the Browns or Steelers. The Browns aren't going to have their quarterback for the full year because he will get suspended. And No, he is suspended. I think the- I'm saying he's going to get suspended for a year. Oh, yeah, yeah. He will, at least. I hope he does. And I think the Ravens were a really good team until Lamar Jackson went down with his ankle injury last year. So it's all about Lamar's health. Um, people are really concerned about the fact that they lost Hollywood Brown. I'm not as concerned because I don't think Lamar really needs receivers. Like, that guy can run on his own and run for 100 yards a game. And you've got a guy like J.K. You've, people forget the Ravens had the most injuries in the league last year, them and the Titans. They did. The Ravens were without their whole running back room all of last year. J.K. Dobbins is back. They got Gus Edwards, too. They got Justice Hill, Mike Davis. Like, they've got a solid running back crew of just a lot of guys who could play and catch the ball. Uh, and then the receiving room, a lot of people are counting them out without even seeing if they can play or not because people are saying, oh, they have no experience. They suck. No, they have no experience. Let's see if they suck. <laughs> like, Rashad Bateman, first rounder last year. Why not him? Why not him? He didn't get a lot of opportunities last year. James Brochet, James Brochet the second. Uh, Devin Duvernay. They've got, like, solid guys who all Lamar really needs is solid guys. He doesn't need, like, a superstar receiver, you know. And Hollywood Brown's not a superstar receiver. Let's not forget. He's not that good. Um, he's not. Andrews, he's not. He has Mark Andrews. All a quarterback who doesn't have a great arm needs is a tight end, and that's what he's got. Mark Andrews, one of the best tight ends in football. I really like their defense. Calais Campbell's probably in like his last year there, but I like him a lot. He's a big force up the middle. He could be a veteran leadership back there. They got a guy like Patrick Queen. Queen who had a good year. They got Marlon Humphrey who's coming back from injury. Marcus Williams, Marcus Peters. So all these guys coming back from injury that I think can really make a difference. And I like Harbaugh as a coach. I think he's a better coach than uh, Zach Taylor. And I don't think Joe Burrow's that good. I think they have a little bit of a Super Bowl hangover to start the year. And they're not really able to recover from it because 
It's hard to cut. It's hard to tackle these guys in the. I don't think they'll make it. Margin. They're not going to make the Super Bowl again, but I don't think they'll have like regular season hangover. I'm saying Super Bowl hangover from last year is going to bleed into this year. They finished the season in mid-February. They're going to struggle to start the year. They're all banged up. Burrow is banged up and injured. Like it's hard to tackle after winning that or after playing in the Super Bowl. It's hard to come out the next season fired up and ready to tackle. And a guy like Lamar Jackson is tough to tackle. And I think he's going to run a little. So. So we have two. Uh, so we agreed on two of the four. We both agreed on the Chargers and the Bills, but in the AFC, the, N- the AFC South, uh, you obviously have the Titans. I have the Colts, and the NFC, the AFC North, you have Baltimore. I have Cincinnati. Yeah, and I now was- when I when I said the Titans are going to win, uh, I only really talked about the Titans. I just want to say. Why do people think Matt Ryan is the saving grace for the Colts? The past, like, I don't think years, he's, they keep I don't think he's the saving grace. I'm not saying they're going to make the Super Bowl or anything, but I do think he's he's more consistent he's and, not, and less turnover prone than Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz had like five interceptions last year. People were calling him over. Well, what happened? What happened? What happened in that game? What happened in that game against the Titans? How he switched hands? What happened in that final game that was, of the that, against that, Jacksonville? That interception against the Titans saved the game for them. If you get the one thing you can't have happen there is get safety. If you get safety, right. the game's over. The Titans well, roll the ball out and it's over. Well, if you throw well, a pick six, you get the ball back and go to overtime. Well, we'll, we'll see what happens. Matt Ryan is not as good of a quarterback as Carson Wentz or Phillip Rivers. We'll see about that. But I will say this. We'll see what – I do think that – I do trust Frank Reich will get that team to the mountaintop. Now let's move on to the NFC. I, let's start with the NFC East. We, I, I'm curious to see what you think of this one, but go ahead. We them boys, the Cowboys oh. are winning this. Division. You mean like you mean the oh you mean the Cowgirls? The Cowboys are winning this division. I, I know the Dallas Cowgirls who haven't made a fucking t- NFC title game in like three decades, but then they still what? get talked about. But all go ahead. Do, all you need to do is win the division in this prediction, you know, I'm not saying they're making the Super Bowl. I'm not saying they're making anything. All right. They're winning the division because the division still sucks. The Giants are going to be the worst team in football this year. The Redskins, the commanders um, led by Carson Wentz, I think will actually be better than people think, but I still think there's a lot of dysfunction in that organization where they're not going to win enough games to really make a threat at the Cowboys. Then the Eagles, they made that AJ Brown move, but I still think Jalen Hurts isn't all that. And I don't love, uh, don't love the defense, don't love the coaching staff. And I think the Cowboys are too good in division to lose this division because last year, the reason they won the division is because they won all those division games. I think they do the same this year. And then they have teams like the Jags and Texans in their schedule who I think they beat. So I have the Cowboys win this division, but it's not saying much. I have them as the fourth best division winner in the NFC. I'm going to go with the shocker on this one. Um, I'm going to do a little bit of a little bit of this. I'm going to wave my wings. Not much for shocker. I think a lot of people have them. I have the, I have the Eagles winning the NFC East because, uh, look, I, I know you're still a little salty from A.J. Brown and what happened. I know you had salt with your eggs this morning because you're still a little salty about A.J. Brown. How that you don't eat your eggs with salt and you're crazy. Salt and pepper. I, I just think that with the age – look, I'm not the biggest Jalen Hurts fan, but he has the tools needed. I would say to make to for the, for him to be successful. And he did show some flashes last year. Yes. He does struggle throwing with accuracy, but he does have some talent. 
he does, he is a great runner and he's a good fantasy quarterback. If you need a quarterback, that's good with rushing yards. And I do think he's made some big time throws uh, towards the end of the season. And the Eagles were like three and they were like three and five at one point, And they won six or the last seven games just to make the playoffs. And predictably they got bounced by Brady and company, but still the fact they were able to do that and make the playoffs, I don't think gets talked about enough. Mm-hmm. And Nick Sirianni, I think is better than what people give him credit for. Yeah. He's not the best, probably not the best person when it comes to press conferences. Cause he's going to play systems eight plants. times, but plants and plants talk about how plants grow, but <laughs> I, I like Devonte Smith a lot. And I do like Dallas Goddard's a tight end. I do think that the Miles Sanders and Gainwell running back combination is going to work in their favor. I think Miles Sanders is due for a bounce back season. And I do really love the A.J. Brown trade. trade, And I think he's going to do some wonders and be a divisional winner, not in the AFC. And I think he's going to do something very good. I think – and him and Jalen Hurts are really good friends. So it helps. That helps when there is familiarity there. So, and and by the way, I'm just going to be honest with you. I'm kind of sick of the Dallas Cowgirls to be Cowboys, to be honest with you, because I think, well, first of all, Ezekiel Elliott, I can never trust him. He is the, he is is like the James, he was like the Russell Westbrook of bad contracts in the NFL. The fact they gave him that much money is just beyond me. And he's hyped up every year and he just, he had a few game, good games last year, but then the end just flamed out and Michael Gallup tore his ACL and he's out and they, and Amari Cooper went to the Browns and the, his number one target CD lamb, who I like a lot, but I think it's a little too overhyped for some people, including me. And I, and that's really it. And I I think a lot of why their defense and why they were so great last so why they won a lot of games last year was most of their wins came against bottom feeder teams last year. And against the top teams like the Bucks, the Chiefs, and and um a lot of those other top tier teams they lost to. So I thought they were kind of overrated a good amount last year. So yeah, I'm gonna take the Eagles. I have the Eagles still making the playoffs. I just don't think they're going to be a division winner yet Fair enough. in the future or anything. But Fair enough. Uh, now, let's go with the NFC West. Uh, the NFC West. This is another interesting division. It's got, it got a lot weaker this season than it was going into last year. Like, going right. into last year, they were the division to beat. Like, they were a tough division. But another shot – no, not a really shocker, but I have the Cardinals winning this division. What? Despite – Despite DeAndre Hopkins being out six weeks, um, despite the Kyler Murray drama, despite it all, I think they still have a very good pass rush of Chandler Jones and J.J. Watt can both be healthy and be there for the team. I like Buda Baker in the back end of defense. And I still really like Cliff Kingsbury as a coach. And I really like, as much as I joke about him, I still think Kyler Murray is a good quarterback. And I think getting him... You've only joked about his height, like... Every time we talk football, it's saying I, I remember, I remember, I remember, like during that Rams Cardinals game when you were texting, you were saying you you kept voice memoing me saying, "Oh my God!" I mean, like I'm literally bigger than Kyle Murray. Like I can literally stand in the pocket better than Kyle Murray. That's all you kept telling. I can't, but I think he can win enough games on his on his feet with his college wide receiver one Marquise Brown. 
that is the biggest thing for me is you are getting a guy for him that he connects to very well, makes him very comfortable, gives him someone to rely on with D-Hop out for six weeks. And I think when D-Hop comes back, he's going to be better than ever. And yeah, I mean, I, I think, do they still have AJ Green? Like, why, why not him? He's like solid. Like uh, Chase Edmonds, I really like the backfield still. And I think their offensive line is much improved. I think it's a division that's, that's winnable because I don't think the Niners are going to be that good this year. And I think the Seahawks are going to be a bottom feeder in the NFC. And I think the Rams are their competition. I think the Rams coming off a big Super Bowl. Stafford just had an injury in the offseason. Aaron Donald's partied a little too much maybe in the offseason. You know, I don't really like trading Robert Woods. For, not really trading in sense, but like basically getting rid of Robert Woods and then getting Allen Robinson. Like, don't love that as much. I think A-Rob's overrated as fuck. And I think Robert Woods was a way better fit for the Rams than Allen Robinson. But maybe if OBJ comes back midseason and they sign him, I don't know. But I really think it's the Cardinals year in that division. I think the Rams have a little bit of a Super Bowl hangover, like I said, with the Bengals because of the longer season. It's going to be tougher. So I have the Cardinals. Still think the Rams will make the playoffs. I think they have the same record, but I think the Cardinals get the edge over them. I'm going with the Rams. I really, I just feel like, first of all, I think the Allen Robinson pickup, Allen Robinson's at least stayed healthier than Robert Woods has. And I think he's the, he's the perfect replacement for Robert Woods. He can play inside. He's inside the numbers. It could also go outside the numbers too and make some big time catches. So I really like him and Cam Akers is as a full off season. I think he's going to be ready to go. I really like him a lot. And they and they they just got Bobby and they got Bobby Wagner this offseason. Who still I still think has a lot left in the tank. Who's been the anchor for that Legion of Boom in Seattle? I think he's going to do some really good things. And most of their roster is still intact. And Stafford did say the other day that his elbow is it's going to be an issue to deal with, but I think he'll be fine. And I think McVay and company really want to keep this sustained success. And I think they will. I'm going to go with the Rams. Again, I wouldn't be shocked if the Rams won. I just threw my little twist in there with the Cardinals. And I mean, and, and it's just how the schedule played out for me. All right. And um, now let's go to the NFC East. Oh, we did the East. We did the East South. card. Let's go, let's go with the South. I want to hear South. you. South. Okay. That's what we're Yeah. So I'll, I'll start off. Um, pretty easy one for me. Uh, I have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers again winning the NFC South. Pretty, pretty easy division. Um, I think their biggest threat might be the Saints because the Saints know how to beat Tom Brady, and they're a team that has getting Jameis Winston back, who I thought was good last year for them. Um, I think they have a good roster around them. I think uh, – I don't really think Sean Payne leaving is that big of a deal. Um, no. I forgot his name, but I love the new – Dennis Allen. Coordinator. Yep, Dennis Allen. He lo- I loved when he – it was the interim coach that one week against the Bucks and shat on them. Uh, I think they shot on Brady twice last year. They helped, they held him to a shutout last year. Yeah, exactly. So I like them. I, I like the Saints a lot. I actually do like the Panthers. So I think Baker Mayfield's actually much better than Sam Darnold. I do I too. Give a little stability to that team. I just don't think they're there yet. I don't think they're as good as the Bucks roster is. And then the Falcons love Mariota. Think he'll be fun to watch. Wait, do you love Mariota? I can't tell. Yeah, they're a bridge. They're they're in a bridge year. Uh, Mariota did just have a rushing touchdown preseason. Shout out him, but the Bucks are going to easily win this division. Um, I have the Bucks. Top yeah, top. I'm going to put my honest opinions on Brady on retiring for another time. I'm just going to let the football mind talk here. Yeah, Bucks easily. This is the this is another weak division. 
think the Panthers could be make a little noise, though. Mm-hmm. I mean, McCaffrey has a lot to prove because he's been hurt the last two years. Yeah. And the Saints, they know how to get to Brady. They're Brady's regular season kryptonite. And I, I don't trust the Falcons at all. We all know what they are. No disrespect to Mariota. But, yeah, this is easy for me. And, yes, I am a little worried, though, about Godwin coming back and getting back to that full 100%. But I like the Russell Gage pickup a lot. So, I think they'll be fine. I mean, the NFC in general is – Gage just got hurt. In, uh, he just got hurt? In tra- well, in training camp like a few days ago, I'm pretty sure. But I don't know how severe it is. But, but I, this, even that – Julio. <laughs> but even that – yeah, and the Julio Jones, forgot about that. But, yeah, he, he's going to – I think he's got something to prove. I do want to see Julio do well, and I'm rooting for him to do well. So, yeah, I mean – They'll be they'll they'll win that division. I mean, in the NFC in general, I think it's he's very weak going into this season. It was last year too. It was last year too, but very top heavy. But it is top heavy, and I'm just gonna I'm gonna take the yeah I'm gonna take yeah. the loss. It's right, no so the last division, the NFC North. I want to hear your thoughts on this before mine. Okay, <sighs> this is a tough one for me. Mm. Well, as mo- first of all, my Bears are not going to win the division. Let's, oh, let's get that out of the way. <laughs> and I, I would love to see the Detroit Lions just for humor's sake win that division because I love Dan Campbell. But we both know that's not going to happen. However, I really am picking between a battle of two evils here because, uh, God, my blood boils whenever I think of that <clears throat> fraud in Green Bay. Why? I'll save for another time. I'll save for another time. But, and I'm obviously not the big fan of Kirk Cousins, but if you're forcing me to pick a battle between two evils, I'm going to pick the Minnesota Vikings to win because, and I'll tell you why I do, because obviously Aaron Rodgers lost top two receiver in football, Devontae Adams, and their defense is good. But I mean, can Rodgers really elevate that? receiving core i don't really think so and kirk cause and that minnesota team what they did this this offseason the defensive moves they made and on offensively jay jay jets is great he's an absolute stud you you agree with that one and dalvin is one of the top five running backs in the, in the league and and i like their tight end pickup they had and adam Thielen's is is a great number two they are looking really good and a lot of most of their games they lost last year was due to bad missed defensive cues and now i i think now kirk cousins is going to be elevated i'm not the biggest fan of him obviously but i do think he's going to make some major strides because kevin o'connell's from the mcveigh coaching tree and if you have a coach from mcveigh's coaching tree you're going to be pretty successful so I'm going to take the Minnesota Vikings to win the NFC North. Um, this one is a struggle for me because there's a lot of people on the Minnesota Vikings hype train. I know you are now. I know a bunch of people are. They're all on the hype train. I'm not a Vikings fan, but I. I but if no, I have saying, to pick the, between two evils, mm-hmm. I'm gonna pick between those two evils too, even though they're not very evil to me as a Titans fan. And I'm gonna actually go with the Minnesota Vikings as well. Yes, I think I agree 100% with the O'Connell hire. I think what they were doing over the past few years, they had a defensive-minded coach with one of the worst defenses in the league. So, like, how does that help at all? 
I think they're going to have a better defense this year without a defensive coach there. And you have an offensive coach who's only going to help Kirk Cousins, who's only made Kirk Cousins, who just tested positive, by the way, pray for him, more comfortable. Um, oh, oh, he, he tested positive again. I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm not going wood for him, obviously, but I'm not, how am I not surprised? I die, I die. Um, but I think Justin Jefferson's really excited for this season. He said, in, I'm pretty sure he said, now I know why Cooper Cup was open so many times. Our offense is about to be booming. So I think him and Thielen should be great this year as long as health concern, like as long as they stay healthy, like Thielen's had a lot of health concerns. And then Dallin Cook, as long as he stays healthy as a top five running back in the league and Alexander Madison's a solid backup if he does go down. He's been there a while. And the defense has a lot to prove, but I think they had a bad defense with a bad I think they had a defensive coach with a bad defense, so that's just not going to get you anywhere. If you're going to have a bad defense, at least have an offensive coach to drive your offense to the next level. I think Jay Jettis takes that next step into the top five receivers category, which he probably already is. Um, But, yeah, I have the Vikings winning it, and I think they're going to be very, very good this year. I have them in my NFC championship. But, yes, that's our division winners. I have Minnesota as the third best team in the NFC, actually, behind the Rams and the Bucs. I I have it Rams, Bucs, and then there's Minnesota. I have Bucks. I have Bucks and Minnesota both with 13 wins, but the Bucks with the tiebreaker. So I have the Bucks, then Minnesota, then Arizona, then Dallas. And then the AFC have the Bills, Chargers, Titans, Ravens in that order. But we'll see what happens. Yeah, Thank you guys for listening to another edition of the Off the Dome podcast. Have a great night and day. Whenever you choose to listen to this, shout out to my co-host Jake Goody, Goodhart, Biscuit, and go get them.